0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miquez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Man, oh man. The New Orleans Saints can actually win a game. And win it convincingly. Welcome into Crunch Time. Happy Halloween Matt Miguez here right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. My producer and co-host is the one and only, and the quite nerdy, Mr. James Mesh. James, bud, what's going on? What's up, Matt? How are you? Doing all right. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. It is a magnificent Monday. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey,
2: James. ain't hey, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I don't talk to girls. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, by the way. Go Tigers. Got my new girlfriend. We in Florida. Oh, my God. I run in a mile with my shirt off. High five all, all other shoe fans in Baton Rouge.
0: oh, oh. <laughs> What, do, what door you want you me out of? You can't think
2: of a line.
1: <laughs> no, I, I couldn't think of how I wanted to say it. What door you want me out of? And what time you want me to leave? Go Doggles?
0: What time you want me out and What time you want me to leave? And uh, what door?
2: Hey, go doggles. Goodbye. Go <laughs> Joe out. In case you haven't picked up, I'm, I'm dressed as Ed, Ed Ogeroff for, for Halloween. Um, Yeah, we can't see the LSU on your shirt. Yeah, I'm, there I'm you trying. go. I'm trying. I'm I'll um, I'll lower it.
1: So we got a stacked show for you today. Uh, There's a lot of breaking news to get to, so we'll get to that. We'll recap the Saints' win yesterday. We'll talk with Wilson Alexander from the Advocate for Tiger Talk. We will also chat with Jacob Goins of ESPN Auburn uh, to get the latest of what's happening on the plains. If you want to get in on the show today, 337-706-0111. And in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So your poll question for the day. Who will be the next head coach at the University of Auburn? Because as I'm sure everyone listening on this station is very aware, Brian Harson has been fired
2: after... 22 months on the plains got there last December still don't know why he was there for that
1: long I, I i don't think that they gave him a fair enough shot
2: if if i'm if i'm being quite honest but and and i don't disagree with that but what i'm what i mean more by it is if you if he was such on a hot seat why didn't you just get rid of him after the first year if you didn't like well, him that much?
1: For for and, and, and for and sure. But here's, here's my thing. You're eight games into the year now. Why fire him now? You think an interim coach is going to come in and you're going to magically go on a four-game win streak and make a bowl game? No, you're not. Why not just let him coach out the season? Because what that does is a couple things. Number one, doesn't make you have to scramble and make an assistant. Hey, you're running the team for the next 4 weeks. B it lowers his buyout substantially. Like why not just
2: wait? Yes. But here here's another thing is the longer that you have the coach if you move on to someone else, you might be able to Keep or like convince some of the recruits to stay on the Auburn path. You know what I mean? Uh, That's fair. Because it's like, look, if if it stays with Brian Harson, and there were guys that are like, uh, I mean, I'd want to come here, but like the fact that we don't know if Harson is gonna be here or not, like, I don't know if I want to go. But now it's like, oh, okay. Well, now that Harson's not there, now that I know that you are looking for a new head coach. I'll still be on the lookout for you, but depending on who you who you get as your new coach, I may I may stick with you. I may I may commit to the Auburn program.
1: Look at the nerd making sense.
2: Look at that. That's, as if I don't make sense. That's so impressive. Bravo, bravo. Again. Thank you. Bravo, bravo. According to my calculations, I make sense. The math maths out. Mm-hmm. The math does be do be mathin'.
1: The math do be mathing. All right. So, anyways, who is the next Auburn football coach? Is it Dion Sanders? Is it Hugh Freeze? Is it maybe Matt Rule? Or is it other? So far, 30% of you say Dion, 30% of you say Hugh Freeze. 15% of you say Matt Rule. And 25% of you say other. We got a comment from Tan. I don't think Neon Dion because he won't want to rebuild. I don't think Huey because he's washed, in my opinion. Oh, that's not true. Uh, I'm going with Rule. He was good at Baylor. I think he's just not cut out for the NFL. Then again, when am I
2: ever right? I can I can agree to the Dion one to a degree. I don't think it'll be Dion either, but I don't think it's because he doesn't want to rebuild.
1: I think you make a phone call to Dion.
2: I think, I I agree. You make the phone call because it never hurts to ask. What's the worst he could say? No. I'm not interested. Yeah. O- okay. Go away. Right. Because... Right. <laughs> right. Because here's the thing: at some point, Dion, I think he wants to move on and like be a part of a big time school. I just don't think he wants to be a part of this one right now. Right. I don't think it's not he doesn't want to rebuild. Usually, coaches that are too old, that are in their seventies or eighties, or at the minimum late sixties, I don't think those want to be a part of rebuilds. But Dion's in his early mid forties. I mean, he's he's got time. He if he really wants to do a rebuild. He's fifty-five. He's I older than say, I, I
1: was about to say Dion's older than that.
2: Yeah. Um, but the, he's still a lot younger. Yeah. So I, if he wanted to rebuild, I think he could. He very easily could. I don't think that's the reason for it. I think that's it's just more of that's just not the school he would want to you know go what, to right now.
1: You know what I see happening. So you know, I love playing devil's advocate. Yeah, you do. It's fun. Favorite game. It it really it really is one of my favorite, my favorite games. Let's look at let's look at Florida State for a moment, shall we? They've got four games left on the schedule. They play Miami this weekend. That could get that could get interesting. Then you play Syracuse. That's gonna be a loss. Then you host Louisiana. I love the Cajuns, with everything in me. Cajuns are not beating Florida State. It's not happening. And then you play Florida the day after Thanksgiving. So let's say, James, let's be let's be nice here and say that they go I don't know, two and two? Well let's let's say two and two the, the over these last four games. So that puts you on the season at seven and five. Let's so make it a ballgame. However, you put the last three years into perspective under Norvell plus a 7-5 season this year. Is that good enough? Does he keep his job? My assumption is no. So, Florida State's now open. You know what Florida State's going to do? They're going to dial a phone number in Jackson, Mississippi and call their most famous alumnus and say, hey, How much money do you want? How much money do you want? Because Florida State, obviously, yes, they want to win. But here's the thing. Florida State has struggled for so long. I think at this point, they're willing to take a project. Deion Sanders is going to be a project. He's never coached at the FBS level. Now, granted, has he found success at Jackson? Absolutely. They are fantastic. They obliterated Southern on Saturday. Obliterated. They're 8-0. But it's a different beast. You're jumping from FCS, Jackson State, in the SWAC, to the ACC. But if they're going to pay anybody to do it, I think they're going to pay Deion Sanders. And I think from a marketing standpoint and a headline standpoint, that is a match made in heaven. Prodigal son comes home. The media is going to eat that up. going to eat that up. They're going to cover that for three months. So if I'm Deion Sanders, I'm going to listen to what Auburn has to say. But I'm going to say, you know what, Give me, give me some time. If you hire somebody while I take my time, then I mean that's fine. But I'm gonna see what Florida State does first before I make any kind of move.
2: James, agree? Disagree? Indifferent? I mean, I could see it. It, it would make a lot of sense for Dion to to go back to Florida State and this time be a coach. I don't think it would be the first time that we would see that because we have seen that a couple times. We've yeah. we've heard that story before. Oh, no, for sure. But I I don't know I. I wonder with Florida State's coach, if they do go seven and five and they do get that, they do get to a bowl game. To me, I feel like do you he, think you think that's enough for him to keep his job? I think it's enough for him to keep his job, and it almost kind of be like a, a Brian Harson thing, where it's like your leash is kind of short, but we're gonna keep you anyway. You know what I mean?
1: He is thirteen and sixteen at Florida State so far. So say, say he goes 2-2, two and 15-18. Two,
2: like I said, it's not great. No. It's not, it's not a, to me, 15-18 isn't an automatic fireable offense, but it is a record where you're like, okay, look, if you don't start improving because this will be your fourth year and we're not seeing success and you're not getting a, an amazing dra- uh, recruiting class, I think if he doesn't get off to a fast start and be like 30, four and oh three and one like early on the first half of the season I think that's where you do see the question to be brought up more like do do you just get rid of the dude
1: another name to watch out for for auburn and and maybe not so much for for Auburn's sake but man look out for Jamie Chadwell at coastal Carolina Chadwell's getting to that point where you know, jobs are going to start looking at him, and you know there was a there was a point that I had brought up earlier. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's go to the hotline now, Jay. What's up?
3: Um, so, Hugh Freeze. The so where do you see Hugh Freeze going, I
1: could see Hugh Freeze being in the mix for Auburn.
3: Okay, I knew he was going to say that. Uh, so you don't uh, you don't see Florida State trying to go after him?
1: I think I think they. They would if they moved on from Norvell. I think Hugh Freeze would be on the short list, but Dion would be your first call.
3: I don't know. Um but what about um, Tom Herman? Where where he, where is he? He's nowhere right now. I don't
1: think Tom Herman's coaching anywhere no. He is a offensive analyst I don't, for the Bears.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, I can I can see that what you're saying, but it just it just it just makes too much sense. So that's why I'm like just kind of just staying away from it, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I, I I I can get that, but I just but going back to the original question with Hugh Freeze, I I do think Hugh Freeze is going to be in the conversation at Auburn, but I still think that there's some national trepidation about what went down at Ole Miss.
3: Uh, I don't think it's. I, I think you know. Trust me. I don't think too many people are worried about that. You know. Well, all right. Thank you.
1: Appreciate the call, Jay. Um. So yeah, you know, ag- again, first call if you're if you're Auburn is probably maybe Matt Rule. First phone call would probably be Matt Rule. Then I would probably go Dion.
2: I was going to say, you you have seen Matt Rule turn around a program pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, my, my first phone call would probably be, be Matt Rule. Um,
2: It's relatively close to the area of <laughs> where did, it was before.
1: Did well at Temple. Went to Baylor under terrible circumstances and turned them around and then just didn't work out in the NFL. It happens. Exhibit A, uh, the goat of college football. Nick Saban was terrible in the NFL. Horrible.
2: Exhibit B, uh, oh, I forgot his name. Uh, Ohio State went to Jacksonville. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Oh, God, yeah. Horrible. To me, that To me, that one's the real Exhibit A. <laughs>
1: Could he be in the conversation at Auburn? Oh Nobody's could he be in the conversation at Auburn? That's interesting. That oh man. Could Urban be in the SEC again? Do we want to see him make a return? Could he be in the SEC again? There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of schools with jobs opening. There's a lot of, you know... RP3 and I were talking about it a second ago. Willie Fritz, the coach at Tulane. Don't be surprised if he ends up at like Georgia Tech.
2: I was going to say, the way Tulane's looking, people are going to be calling.
1: Because Georgia Tech, it's a Power 5 job, but they don't have quite the pressure of other schools in the ACC because the expectation is not very high. Yeah. So he would have a long leash at Georgia Tech to try and turn that program around. So don't be surprised if Tulane keeps rolling. Willie Fritz has the history. He's coached in Georgia before. That, that could get very, very entertaining. The Houston Astros head to the city of brotherly love to take on the Philadelphia Phillies in Game 3 of the World Series. Except we don't know when it's going to be. You can listen to every pitch, clutch hit, and thrilling moment of Game 3 tonight, maybe, on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Astro launch begins at 6.30, and first pitch is set for 7.03, and you can listen to it all live on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. The key word on that last part is first pitch is set for 7.03. Tentatively, there's a lot of rain in the area. It is scheduled they are They are meeting every hour on the hour, discussing the possibility of postponing this series. And I, I did say series, because if they do move the game, game three would be tomorrow, four would be Wednesday, five would be Thursday. They would travel on Friday, game six Saturday, game seven Sunday. So, things could get very interesting in the city of brotherly love over the next couple hours. We will update you as more information becomes available we'll take a time out here on crunch time and when we return we will hear from head coach dennis allen after a wowing 24 to nothing win over the las vegas raiders right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station in your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
0: Got something to say to Migas and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337 706 0111. Now, back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Getting mashy up in here.
1: We love the monster mash. You know that—that's actually one thing I'm super excited about with Halloween. So I've never been a huge Halloween fan. Obviously, when you're a kid, like you go trick or treating, and it's great and fun and whatever. But like in my teenage years, all my friends were going to like Halloween parties, and I was just like, it's not like I didn't get invited to parties. I wasn't lame, but I just like, I don't know what my thing. Like I just didn't go. But now, I have a house in a neighborhood. Dude, I'm so excited to just sit out on my front porch and give candy to kids. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be that guy tonight. I've got inflatables in the front yard. We carved pumpkins. All of it. Whole nine. I'm going to be that guy. So anyways, going back to the Auburn head coaching conversation, Darren Francis brought up an interesting point, and then somebody... Alex Sylvester came back with a, uh, with a good second point. Darren Francis said, Dion not going anywhere until his son leaves. Which, you know, fair. His son is playing quarterback for him at Jackson State. Sylvester says he could bring him over to Auburn along with Travis Hunter and his other four-star recruits that he brought in. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be entertaining? Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders playing at Auburn? Ooh, things would get dicey in the SEC. That'd be interesting. A little bit later on in the hour, we're going to talk with Wilson Alexander while we're on the topic of the SEC. I'm going to talk with Wilson Alexander about the monumental matchup on Saturday in Death Valley between LSU and Auburn. Alabama kickoff for that game is at 6. Pre-game is at 4, and you can hear it right here on the game. But let, let's let step away from that for a moment. New Orleans Saints yesterday. Uh, I don't know who that team is. I don't know where the hell they came from. But I want them each and every Sunday for the rest of the year each and every Sunday for the rest of the year. I mean, James, Alvin Kamara. Now, let's preface what I'm about to say with the fact that Alvin Kamara hasn't played poorly this year. Alvin Kamara came back from the dead yesterday. The dude hadn't found the end zone all
2: season. Scores three yesterday. Uh huh. That's incredible. That's his sixth time scoring three plus touchdowns in a game.
1: And he's the first player in NFL history to have 10 games in during his first six seasons with at least one receiving and one rushing touchdown in the same game. You know, he's also. No player's ever done it.
2: You also know he's one touchdown behind Marcus Colson for all for time. For the Saints' record. Yep. That's
1: nuts. In six years, the dude is a god. Trade him? <laughs> no. No shot. Please don't.
2: No prayer. Please
1: don't. God, please don't. The only thing that I would... If somebody called and said, we'll give you two firsts, okay, <laughs> I'd trade him for two firsts. But that's about it. I don't even know that the package that the Panthers got for McCaffrey would be enough.
2: A second, third, and fourth.
1: And then a fifth next year? I don't even know that that would be enough. That, that guy is so good. And then, you know, we talked about how, oh, Marcus Davenport hasn't done anything, blah, blah, blah. Dude played pretty well
2: yesterday. And that's and that's what aggravates me is he, he, <laughs> Here here's how I see it. He starts playing good because guess what? This is his contract here. So he's going to end the season on a high note or a good enough note to where you're like, Well, we can't trade him now. It's past the deadline, and we don't want him to walk. We also will look stupid if we let him go because we also let go of Trey Hendrickson. So we have to
1: we have to extend him. And I'm sorry. Peyton Turner with two sacks. What world are we living in? But guess who? Guess who's at top of the stat sheet? Again. Pete Warner. Eleven tackles and a pass breakup. the 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 dude is just, he's that guy. Can we
2: also give an appreciation to a to a Latte Taylor? Oh, dude, what a game! I told you I was excited whenever the Saints drafted him. Had a great game. Love the energy that he gave. I told you he could be a spark for the team. You get rid of Chauncey. Here's your new spark. And look, I'm gonna give while we're giving
1: credit, I'm gonna give credit to another group that I have trashed all season long. The defensive
2: back? Well, them too. I'll get to them in a second. But offensive line. The offensive line. The offensive line played out of their minds yesterday. That was that was pretty much 2011
1: The offensive line
2: football where played out of their minds. They're given the cleanest pockets that I've seen in years.
1: Cleanest pockets. Andy Dalton had time to go through his reads. He didn't get sacked a single time.
2: Great he got, game. He never really got hit either. No, he didn't. He didn't get like touched or hurried. No.
4: He's a- like, where a- where's this
2: been? Andy Dalton played well. He did. he did. He didn't have to do a lot, but he he no. definitely
1: played well. 22 of 30. He took care of the football. He threw two touchdown passes. I mean, for for a situation where you've never really asked the guy to do a whole lot, he played well. He did. He
2: does well. He yep. does well when he when he's put in that situation.
1: Kamara did well yesterday. He had
2: 158 total yards with three touchdowns. He got he got himself 27 touches. Josh Jacobs was silent. And you talk about Josh Jacobs because I get it. Tyron Matthew had an interception. But he's still in the doghouse for me. He's still in the doghouse because it, he still shows a lack of effort. Oh yeah. When he tries to tackle, and he'll he'll like try and rip it out, but it's like the dude's already I carried mean, you for five yards. The, the, the pick, the he, pick was also a tip drill. Right.
1: That, that that's the thing. Like Tyron Matthew was just kind of hanging around, and the ball's in the air. He goes, "Oh,
2: I got it." Yeah. Well, like, I was like, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, here was Tyron. Matthew, he was in the right place at the right time, and here was Tyron talking about the interception himself.
5: You know, really, just trying to get to the ball.
4: Um, You know, I think tips and overthrows are a big part of the game. Um, So, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of pissed off about the one I dropped. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I can't get that one out of my head. So, but yeah, it's cool to make a play
0: for your team anytime.
5: So,
1: one more thing before we take a timeout, and this is going back to the Auburn conversation. I just, I just gotta, I have to bring this up. I just got a message from a from a friend who's who's listening, and he said, "I can tell you who's going to be the next Auburn head coach, Ed Ogeron." Oh, <laughs> could you imagine Ed O in Auburn?
2: Go Plainsman
1: dude! Auburn wouldn't know how to treat that man.
0: War Eagle, why why we say Eagle?
1: We ain't the damn Eagles.
0: We're the Tigers.
1: Go Tigers! But he'd have to say it with a little bit of twang because it's like, Gautagas. <laughs> Go Gautagas. Oh, my God. We'll take a time out. Wilson Alexander, the advocate, joins us next right here on the game. West Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Johnson throws, Butte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit high,
0: hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's good! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals, with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk, on Crunch Time, with Miguez and Mesh.
1: Wilson Alexander, how are you, sir?
0: I'm doing well, Matt, how are you
3: today? I'm doing absolutely Happy Halloween.
1: I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Happy Halloween to you as well. So I got to ask, a a weekend with no football, how did Wilson Alexander spend it?
3: Uh, Wilson went to Providence, uh, Rhode Island with his girlfriend to visit some friends, uh, enjoyed all the fall foliage and some much cooler weather than we have here.
1: Man, good for you. Good for you. So the team's back in the facility today. Brian Kelly met with the media. What was kind of the, the message after the weekend off?
3: Uh, just sort of that LSU has to um, you know, go into this game, you know, certainly prepared, sort of said that they have to understand that's how they've gotten to, back to this point. And I know, you know, being 6-2 and two with a chance to, to contend for the SEC West and um, they can't be distracted by the fact that this is a big game or this is Alabama, you know, obviously the team that has uh, really stood in the way of LSU uh, for, so, for most of the last, uh, you know, 12 years. And so uh, that, that was generally the message uh, that that, for, that he had here today.
1: From your perspective, what are your early thoughts on the matchup Saturday between LSU and Alabama?
3: Yeah, it's intriguing because Alabama looks more vulnerable this year than it maybe has in uh, previous seasons. Uh, you know, it's not dominant on the line of scrimmage on either side like it used to be, it doesn't have that running game that, that used to be so difficult to stop. Um, but at the same time, it still has two of the best players in the country, quarterback Bryce Young and outside linebacker Will Anderson, who's just all over the field, even though he doesn't may- maybe have the exact same you know, gaudy stats as he did a year ago. He still leads the conference with 12 tackles for loss and has six sacks, which is second in the SEC. Uh, and Jameer Gibbs is a really uh, difficult uh, player to stop. Um, the running back there, he's, he's so shifty and kind of reminds people of Alvin Kamara maybe a little bit back in college. And so this is still a, a good p- Alabama team, um, but one that's uh, maybe lacked some of the discipline uh, that previous Saban teams have had. You know, they've been heavily penalized. And so especially with the way LSU has played the last two weeks, the way Jaden Daniels has played the last two weeks, um, and having the game at home, it seems like something that LSU – uh, could go and win, um, but it would still be quite the upset if they did,
1: yeah, no, no question about it. You talked about Alabama being far more undisciplined than they than they've been in years past. You talked about the amount of penalties that they've taken as a team. How can LSU and especially Brian Kelly and his coaching staff kind of exploit that?
3: Well, it's not really necessarily something that you can exploit in terms of, of penalties. I mean you know you can take advantage of it if Alabama is uh, you know continues to struggle with those things. And that could certainly help LSU, um, you know, if they're giving up yards like that. Um, But it's more something that, frankly, the crowd can help create. If Tiger Stadium's rocking and you have that true home field advantage, then that's something that could actually really, you know, sort of cause some of those extra penalties, maybe a few false starts here and there and that kind of thing. Um, but it, you can't really, you know, force the other team into penalties too much. But um, the Tiger Stadium crowd—if they really show up and, and have that, you know, night atmosphere rocking in Tiger Stadium—that that could end up being an advantage for this team.
1: Health-wise, uh, Major Burns more than likely coming back this Saturday. What's the latest on him?
3: Yes, he is. He has been cleared. He will practice this week. He's in the game plan for Alabama, and is expected to return to the lineup. Exactly what he'll be doing seems a little bit unclear, but he's uh, a heavy part of that game plan. You know, unclear in terms of if he's going to start or if there's going to be kind of a rotation back there, but um, you know, he came into the year starting uh, for a reason. Uh, they really like his communication. Uh, he's probably a better cover safety than Joe Fouché, and so LSU's going to need him. Um, need the, you know, it's a big for the depth in the secondary as well to have him healthy again, uh, and so we'll see exactly what he's able to do. He's, you know, having missed the last five games, um, with an upper neck injury, but he'll be back there this week.
1: And then, you know, talking about neck injuries as well, what's the latest that you guys have heard, if anything, new on uh, on Seven Banks?
3: Nothing new recently. Uh, Brian Kelly was asked about Seven a few weeks ago and still said that he was a ways away. Um, he wanted to travel with the team to Florida, um, but that wasn't going to happen. Um, he... You know, was out uh, before the old miss game, walking around in his uh, jersey and, and sweats and just with the team during warm-ups, which is a good sign just to see him, you know, and, and that he's, he seems to be doing pretty well. He'll be happy because the, the, the injury was actually similar in nature in some ways to what Major had in terms of a sort of a first spinal cord bruise that um, is going to. Follow maybe a similar path. It'll be interesting to see if LT gets him back this year or not, or you know if he kind of is able to take like another medical red shirt and um, you know get that get that year of extra bill of eligibility because um, it would be maybe tough for him to get back this season um, after what happened.
1: And the last injury question before we get back to to the game: What's the latest on Jack Besh?
3: Yeah, Jack is uh, was going to practice today. Um, Brian Kelly said, uh, you know, last week that he would spend the weekend uh, there at the facility rehabbing and working on that lo- strained lower back, and so he's expected to practice this week. Uh, not certain for the game yet necessarily. Kind of got to see how practice goes, but he's trending in that direction.
1: Chadwell Wilson Alexander here for Tiger Talk. You know, earlier you hit on Jaden Daniels and how well he's played over the last couple of weeks. LSU is going to need another performance similar to that out of him in order to take down the Crimson Tide, can he take it to the next level, and what does he need to do to do that?
3: He needs to be just consistent uh, and do everything that he's done the last two weeks, but against a defense that, while not the Alabama defense that you're maybe used to seeing, one that is still tough because of what it has on the defensive front with Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. Uh, Brian Kelly you know, really highlighted them today and said how else he was going to have to go to the max protection, going to have to move the pocket, get the ball out really quickly probably won't have as much time to just sit back there as he's had the last two weeks. It's a huge test for uh, Will Campbell and Emory Jones, you know, the freshman tackles in particular. And so they're going to have to do some things to, to protect Jaden a little bit. Um, But, you know, he's Jaden just has to kind of continue to do the same things he's done the last few weeks, which is be aggressive throwing downfield when he has one-on-one chances and and can take them Um, be assertive throwing into tight windows and then, you know, do things with his legs to, that really open up the offense, not in a way that's just tucking and running when he doesn't see his first read open, but that really fits into the offense and expands the scheme uh, in a way that makes him even more dynamic.
1: You know, Josh Williams is obviously going to be a factor in the running game like he has been the last couple of weeks. But one guy I'm looking out for is Armani Goodwin. You know, he had a good stretch early on in the year, went down with an injury, came back and had a couple nice flashes against Ole Miss. Armani could almost be a, a secret weapon of sorts, just from the fact that Alabama has limited tape on him from this season.
3: Yeah, potentially. Uh, you know, it's, it's still going to be a running back by committee situation, so it's not really like one guy is just going to suddenly become the workhorse back. Um, but you know, John Emory is someone who we're going to have to kind of watch for throughout the week. He had an Achilles uh, strain um, that that made him sit against Ole Miss, and so. Um, Brian Kelly didn't really have a specific update on him yet today when we asked him earlier. And so it's going to be really important for Armani and, and Josh in particular, and Noah Kane as well, but certainly Armani and Josh to, to kind of, um, if, if John can't play, to, to carry the load. And, uh, yeah, Armani's explosive. He's the most explosive running back that LSU has, certainly. And you saw it against Ole Miss. First carry, they run a little toss out to the left. He goes up the seam for 19 yards, ends up with eight carries for 55 yards. And while that doesn't sound like a lot, I mean, that's an average of 6.9 yards per carry. And so, you know, we'll see exactly how much he fits into the game plan, what he can do in terms of, like, what else he wants him to do. Um, it'll be That's an interesting theory. You know, we'll have to see kind of how it plays out.
1: Now, you know, looking at Alabama, you talked about Bryce Young earlier, uh, Heisman Trophy winner last year, obviously one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Is he the best quarterback that LSU has faced so far this year?
3: Oh, certainly. You know, Hinton Hooker might go and win the Heisman Trophy this year because of the season that he and and Tennessee are having. He's he's played great, but Bryce Young is is special. I mean, uh, not to take anything away from Hinton Hooker, um, but Bryce, you know, he was a sophomore who won the Heisman Trophy, and he is he's so he can be so elusive and just sort of. Um, creative at times. Uh, you know, he, he's never he Looks at him, at, you know, his face at the end of the Alabama Texas game. Alabama's trailing there, and needs to have a drive to go on the road and beat Texas. And he shows no signs of, of, of worry at all, just really unflappable. Um, he can throw from a lot of different arm angles. He can make any throw on the field. Um, and he's really good at turning what you think is going to be a, maybe a tackle for loss into either um, just, you know, a, a, just a Nothing, you know, sort of a neutral play or even turn, you know, a small gain into something bigger. And so uh, he is the best quarterback that LC will have played this year because he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the country.
1: As, as we wrap up here, Wilson, you know, there's a couple games left in the season. And obviously, with the new red shirt role where, where players can appear in four games and, and still have a red shirt at the end of the season, what do you think the likelihood is going down this back stretch that you see some guys? That, that normally wouldn't get playing time maybe play a couple snaps here and there
3: well it's all going to depend on the score you know LSU has a chance here down the, the stretch you know certainly if they can beat Alabama then you got to beat Arkansas and, and Texas A&M and you're going to the SEC championship game um, even if they lose to Alabama you know you win the, the next three games and you're sitting at nine and three and year one and you know they kind of know at this point in the season uh, who's Going to play and who's not, and those rotations have pretty much been settled in. Um, there's going to be you know, some slight tweaks here and there based on self scouting, but um, you know they'll be. It will just kind of depend on the score of the game. Um, whether or not some guys get in there uh, before, without using up their red shirt. Um, you know the UAB game is is not a bad team, but if they can you know build up a pretty big lead there, then that would maybe be a chance in the second half to to get some guys in. Um, you know before that before those four games are up. Um, but pretty much who they've been using is who you would expect to see. All
1: right, Wilson, give me give me an X factor in the game and give me a prediction.
3: Oh, gosh. Uh, too early in the week for a prediction. I'm going to have to leave you hanging <laughs> on that one. But an X factor, um, I could see uh, Hill Perkins. I mean, certainly comes to mind. I mean, just because LSU is going to need linebackers to be able to run sideline to sideline to chase down Jameer Gibbs. Um, because he is a, a really good back and does a lot of different things for Alabama, and be able to keep up with Bryce Young whenever he breaks the pocket, um, Harold comes to mind in that way. Um, and, I, and honestly, just Kayshawn. I mean, he's you know he's got to have a big game. Um, you know, we saw it wasn't necessarily necessary, and he got a little thinked up right at the beginning of the Ole Miss game. Though he played through it, uh, like a little kind of rolled his ankle just slightly. But you know, the way that they came out against Florida, he had uh, finally had a hundred yard game. If he can go over hundred yards again. Um, And it's not just you know in garbage time. Um, Then LSU might be in hanging in that game. So I'll go with those two, I guess.
1: All right, one last question. Give me your favorite Halloween candy.
3: Oh, um, I've always liked uh, Junior Mints. That's what I usually get like at a movie theater for uh, for a movie. So uh, I always like those and Reese's Cups.
1: Perfect, perfect. Wilson Alexander, the advocate, joining us for Tiger Talk before the massive game between LSU and Alabama. Wilson, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll recap it all next week.
3: Sounds good. Thanks for having me.
0: Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work.
4: Well, thank you everyone for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss Take that productivity
0: in the workplace. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station
2: Cra the frog here on crunch time. As we're listening to... I can't, I can't do it. Welcome back to Crush Time. As we got just a couple minutes left before we wrap up our number one. Looking at the poll questions so far and the results. Who's going to be the next Auburn head coach? That's what we're wondering. You, do you think it's going to be Dion Sanders? you think it's going to be Hugh Freeze? How about a nice old Matt Rule? Or who, is it going to be someone else? You can always comment who you think it's going to be right now. Dion Sanders, Hugh Freeze, and then other are all leading at twenty six point nine percent, while Matt Rule is slightly behind at nineteen point two.
1: Darren Francis said Dan Mullen. He did say Dan Mullen. Oh, that's interesting. And then Sylvester comes in and says Carnell Williams. Stallone. <laughs> he said Carnell Williams, which I mean, it's technically true because Carnell Williams was named the interim head coach for the last four games of the season. So, on a
2: technicality, he's right. It's impressive, but uh, what a call! Yeah, I mean, well, well done. <laughs> what a shot in the dark. Well done, sir. Yes, uh, sir. We love that. But uh, all right, we we gotta look at. So, I want to I want to look a little more at the Saints. Okay, yeah, I mean, because I mean, the last time this is Mesha's segment, the last time that we saw. A shutout. Cole, how long has it been? It's been at home since 2012. And I remember Whoa! that one. It was 41-0. to zero I remember that game, too. Against the Buccaneers.
1: I didn't realize it had been that long. since we I think it might have been out.
2: 48, but, it, but it, it it was 2012. Wow. Yeah, it's,
1: it doesn't happen
5: very often.
2: No, especially nowadays with how difficult it is. With how the rules are so skewed towards the offense. Yeah, it was 41 to 0. It was beautiful. I I loved that game. That was a good one. And then it was funny cuz then the game after was against Dallas when I went to overtime where Des Bryant just just destroyed Patrick Robinson. That's so wild. But it was it was also interesting because the week before that, you got absolutely crushed by New, by the Giants in New York. So it was like what a turnaround! You lose by 25 to New York, and then you all of a sudden skunk the Buccaneers 41 to zero. Like, what was this team? Yeah, it that that 2012 team was weird. You didn't have Sean, so you you had to roll with a bunch of interims. You didn't have Jonathan Vilma.
1: Okay, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, correct. Your, your statistic
2: my statistic
1: the last time the saints the last time Saints somebody shot somebody out at home was twenty twelve yes
2: that's, yeah that's what I said
1: okay the last time the saints sh- shut somebody out was last year to beat Tampa nine to nothing yeah you see I, I'm okay so I misunderstood you the last time they shut somebody out in the Superdome yes was twenty twelve yes
2: okay okay carry on that <laughs> the, the uh, I was like, I was so confused on why I, I, you were I, you were so adamant on like I, I
1: missed <laughs> I missed a word there. That that's my
2: fault. Yeah, no that it was a great win because that was the first time we had, we've seen this defense be what we thought it would be. Yeah, you, you're not you're not kidding because we anticipated Derek Carr and Devonte Adams to go to crazy to carve us up. But that but that's what makes Alante Taylor's performance so much better because he was the guy guarding. Devonte, o- almost the whole time. Yeah. He was he was pretty much mirroring the dude. So the fact that he was with him the whole time, Hunter Renfro was pretty much a non-factor. Matt Collins had a couple of catches, but I mean this, but I mean, Paul debo has been giving up catches like that all year, so it, it's kind of standard at that point. But man, hell of a job by the defense.
1: No, no question about. Because
2: it. Because it was looking kind of rocky at first. You thought, hey, I mean. The fact whenever that big run, whenever I was talking about with Tyron Matthew, how it could get close because he if Tyron wasn't holding on to him for 10 yards, Josh Jacobs could have broke a 70 yarder. So this could have been a completely different game. But man, the the fact that that only happened early on and then the rest of the game, you, you just pretty much shut the dude down and shut down the whole running game. That That was phenomenal for me. Can we go back to the 2011 season?
1: That was the best team the Saints have ever put together. Yes. That was the best team the Saints have ever put together.
0: It
2: was beautiful. And the, that's and Why the, do you think I cried whenever Vernon Davis, Davis caught the
1: that touchdown? The damn 49ers had to take it from us. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to continue this conversation at the top of the hour here on Crunch Time. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hour number two of this magnificent Monday. On Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Love Halloween. It's fun. Eat candy.
2: Watch scary movies. We also did a draft of candy. And my team su- is superior. Your team sucks. And yours, candy corn. It's hey, a value pick.
1: Candy corn. Airheads. Skittles were your number one overall pick. Yeah. Of all the candy in the world.
2: Of all the candy that w- no, of all the candy that we had on that table.
1: You, Which was compiled of the best candy in the world. Yeah. You said the ugly stepsister of M&M's is
2: the best candy Skittles on the is planet. Skittles so much better than M&M's. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I even took M&M's oh. later. You know, that was also another good value look, pick. I'm going to stop yelling because everyone on planet Earth
1: is entitled to their own opinion, even when it's wrong. So,
2: Which yeah. is why you always talk. Oh. 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 You went there. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'll remember that. I'll remember that. I'm, I'm going to come up with something. It's going to be good. <laughs> I was
2: going to say. Um, I always get you when you least expect it. Yeah. I, I, I don't have... I'm going to come up with something. Saw con. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways.
1: I, I saw a tweet and... Yeah, I, I got to at least strike up a conversation about it. Can you believe that LSU is currently in the conversation to make the college football playoff? Like, James, in August, did you expect that? When you woke up on Labor Day morning, did you say, oh, LSU is still going to be a playoff team?
2: Never would have anticipated The that.
1: fact that they're even in the conversation of teams that could still make the playoff... Is insane. Because think about it. Say they win out. Say they finish 10-2. Make it the SEC Championship game. Play Georgia. Or actually, you'll play the winner of Tennessee and Georgia. And, you know, say... say, Let's say you don't win. Could a three-loss team that has wins over Alabama, Florida, Ole Miss make the playoff cuz you you're looking right now Tennessee Alabama maybe Ohio State if they don't screw it up uh some people have Michigan in the conversation I just don't buy that um I don't know that a three loss team would 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 make the college football playoff, uh, just because I think the playoff committee wouldn't let that happen. But the, just the fact that we're sitting here eight weeks into the season saying, oh, well, LSU has a shot to make the playoff is mind-boggling to me. It is just absolutely in- insane to to truly sit here and think about but anyways, going back to the New Orleans Saints getting that 24 to nothing win over the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday. Alvin Kamara was asked post game very simply, is the swagger back for this team?
4: Yeah, I think I think it's it's on its way back. You know, we had a we had a nice performance right there, but you know, swagger games is not consistent. So, you know, you could do it one time, but you gotta be able to string it together. So I mean, we looking for the same type of preparation this week. I know I am. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the next. I ain't even trying to really celebrate this one. I mean, I expect to win every week. So it's not I'm not like hip hip parade right now. I'm like, okay, cool, we we put it together. Let's see if we can do it again. Like, I, I'm I'm calling for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's gonna be I'm gonna have the same message as I did last week, you know. Um, because we had a nice game this week do mean that it's a fall off or, or taper down. Like We got, we got to do the same thing next week and the next week and the next week. Put it together. That's what. That's really what swag is. Swag is consistency.
1: Swag is consistency. I like that. Dennis Allen met with the media also, and he was asked, what was the key to stopping Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams?
2: Getting 11 hats to the ball against the runner and uh, getting up and challenging the receiver. Devontae's a hell of a player, um, and, and he's – you know, he's one of the best receivers in our league. I do think that, that uh, you know, Paulson and Alante, and I thought they answered the bell in terms of the challenge. You know, they played the way that we're, you know, accustomed to playing the game. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of uncontested looks. There wasn't a lot of free access. There was a lot of challenge at the line of scrimmage. And, um, you know, that takes some guts to be able to do that you know, out there against one of the best receivers in the league. And and so I was proud of the way that those guys competed.
1: Uh, Update from the Saints. Mark Ingram will miss some time due to a grade two MCL sprain. James, the trade deadline is tomorrow. Let's go get a running back.
2: Someone like a David Montgomery?
1: Someone like a David Montgomery. Someone like a... What we were looking at Jordan Howard at one point. Where's Oh God? No.
2: I mean, no. It's
1: a temporary thing. You you're not looking at this guy going. Oh, we're gonna have him long term. Like that. That's not what this move is. You know, one guy that that I would like, and you know,
2: you're, you're gonna laugh at me for for suggesting this. I swear, if you bring him up again... Oh, yeah. I'm doing it. Elijah Mitchell. It doesn't work. Elijah Mitchell. I just... State your case, other than you just want to see him in black and gold. Well, I do want to see him in black and gold. State your case other than that. He comes back... Uh-huh. Week 9? After which... the trade deadline has already passed?
1: That, that's why... I'd... Oh, wait. You can't trade IR players.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the hiccup. <laughs> yeah. There. Now you remember why we can't do this. That's the hiccup here. You can't trade It's also a the fact that they're oh. hearing calls from Jeff Wilson. So it's like why would you try and be like, "Hey, take this guy instead of the guy that you want?" Kareem Hunt. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Kareem Hunt. Go get him. I mean, what? A fourth rounder? A fourth rounder? Seems realistic. Knowing the Saints still give up a third, but... I mean, that's I'd be okay with that. I think Kareem Hunt still has a lot of gas left in the tank. And it's it's almost like you, you kind of have the same guy because Kareem Hunt's also a really good pass-catching back that you don't want him to be going in between the numbers every time doing power runs like you do with Kamara. Like, it's, a, it's an every-so-often thing, so it'd be good because you have two of the same guy and you could throw them out at the same time, because like, look, we could you could split Alvin out wide. So, you, but then you also have Kareem in the backfield because it's like, okay, well, you have two really good passing options at running back, but you also there's no there's no offset that it's going to be a pass or a run.
1: You're right, and, and you know, could you imagine running a, a
2: two back set with Kareem Hunt and Kamara? You get you, you know what you it would be great because you could almost have uh like you know the the two back sets where you're in the pistol and you could do that play that I love. The the fake screen to one guy and then throw the screen to the other running back. It's nice. like where'd you get a guard? Or the the triple option. Oh gosh. The you, triple option. You could play. run a
1: triple option. Taysom Hill with Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara.
2: That would who's, be- who's getting the ball? You don't know. Well, uh, you would have you would have to tell Taysom, hey, don't take it every time, bud. Right, right. Like you, you have to hand it off every once in a while. We got to keep it honest. Oh man, you that you have to make be... the right read, not take it yourself every time. Talk about talk about a nasty defense. That'd be scary. I mean, a nasty offense. That's kind of like what it was with <laughs> with Lamar and the Ravens a couple years ago, where you had J.K. and I think Gus Edwards. What about what about Cam Akers? What are your thoughts on Cam Akers? You could get him for a really low price. The kid's twenty three. Yeah. What do What do you, I mean? Even if it's a project, and and say it doesn't work out, but it's like you'd get him at a low price because they're not using him, right? And they want to get rid of him. So it, it's like you could you could probably get him for a fifth or sixth.
1: It's not it's not one of those things where, you know, they'll listen, and if an offer comes along, they'll
2: that they you know, absolutely love. They're
1: they're actively trying to get rid of him.
2: And it's funny cuz we were talking about getting a different former Rams running back before in Sony Michelle. Yep. But he he ended up going to Miami and it's like has that really panned out? No. No. My fantasy team will tell you that it hasn't. Cuz here's another thing. 2 years removed from the Achilles, now we're cooking with grease. And now he's and now he's in,
1: now he's playing for the Chargers.
2: Yeah, Sony. Yeah. Yeah. And that hasn't worked out. Sony my, hasn't been the same since that Super Bowl cause, performance. Because
1: again, my fantasy team will tell you that it hasn't worked out. Miles Sanders went on a bye last week, I think it was, and I picked up Sony Michelle just for, for a one seven. game, just a one game thing, and that was bad. That was bad.
2: Oh, for crunch time. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible for bad. you. <laughs> that was so bad. Bad. Which, by the way, um,
1: Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper. Have some bad nights tonight.
2: No, I need Nick Chubb to do good. No,
1: I need you to have a have an off night.
2: I need Nick Chubb. And and then you can I say Amari
1: Cooper. You I need can say Joe I- Burrow and Hayden Hurst and the Bengals defense to just
2: absolutely flex. I need Joe, Nick Chubb, and T Higgins because I couldn't decide between Tyler Boyd and Christian Kirk. I think I should have gone Tyler Cause, Boyd
1: because <laughs> your boy already lost the league that he was undefeated in. Thank you, Patrick Mahomes, having to take a bye week. E- even the Goats take weeks off, apparently. Um, He's
2: so salty that you're 7-1 and one now.
1: But I still have life for the Crunch Time League. I have a 16% chance to win.
2: There is still life. <laughs> you have that sliver.
1: I need Chubb and Cooper to have bad nights, and then I need Joe Burrow, Hayden Hurst, Evan McPherson, and the Bengals defense to...
2: Pop off! Thank you for not making that trade, by the way, with me. Which one? The Mark Andrews? Oh yeah,
1: you're 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 so welcome, bud. Thank you. You're so welcome. At least the guy that I I traded away got hurt too. Wait, who got hurt? Jamar Chase. Oh yeah. At least that guy got hurt too, so it's not like a. Oh man, Dobbs had a nice catch. Dobbs had a nice touchdown. Sitting bench. at the very bottom of my bench, yeah, he did. Yeah, he sure did. We love bench runs. Rondell Moore had a good game too. Also on the bench, on the second to last seat on my bench.
2: Devin Duvernay, man, my if my bench were my starters, they they popped off yesterday. Well, look, here's the thing: do you are you really anticipating Devin Duvernay to outperform Rashad Bateman week in week out? Especially with Bateman being the wide receiver, week in, one in that week offense. out, no. That's what I'm saying. But Duvernay has done a great job
1: of filling Bateman's shoes for a couple of weeks. Um, because I mean, Bateman tried to go Thursday night, but he's still he got it. He got he got injured again. He's still not right. Yeah. Um. He got
2: injured in like the. In the first quarter.
1: And now they're saying he could miss a couple more weeks. Yep. So
2: now now it's automatic that you do play De- yeah. Devin DuVernay.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is questionable. Thank you very much. Everybody that I got in that Jamar Chase trade is just getting hurt. And it's not cool. It's not cool. I'm not asking to win the league. I didn't put any money into it. I just want to be competitive. Just get to 500. The only guy that I, and this is no shot at Brett Chancey, H-Town wheelhouse, love that guy. But he's been so busy with the Astros he
0: that he hasn't checked the
1: lineup. And what I'm doing right now is just trying to stay afloat and not be
2: last. That's what's happening. It's so funny because it's not. you're trying not. so hard and he hasn't looked at it yet and you'll have the not. same record. I'm trying so hard.
1: I am literally sitting there all, I check check my fantasy apps multiple times a day. I look at the waiver wire. I look at who's on the trade block. I literally formulate, you know, I think this guy's going to have a good week. This guy had a bad week. I think he could be better this week. Blah, 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 blah. It's literally a science for me, or I try to make it one. Apparently it's not working. Um, I will say this, though, in the leagues that I put money in, I'm finding success I'm seven and one and six and two so I'm not you know totally dying maybe I'll make a a buck or two but crunch time league whew, Lord I'd be like the number three pick if it was a dynasty league Lord have mercy but you could have been in one not for those prices out of your mind
2: out of your mind. Well, you wouldn't have been in my friend league if you would have done that.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm having
2: more fun in the friend league.
1: Anyways, Bikes, Brews, (laughs) and Omelettes 2 returns this weekend. You can enjoy some of the best cycling in South Louisiana and finish the day with food, beers, and live music. Register now at latrail.org. There's a variety of routes ranging from 10 to 100 miles. Saturday's path explores St. Martin Parish and ends up at Taunt Marie with Hot Gumbo. Sunday starts and finishes in Abbeville just in time for the Giant Omelette Celebration. Sign up at latrail.org. We'll take a timeout here, and when we return, James and I will talk about the McNeese Cowboys who fell just short at homecoming Saturday night against Southeastern, and we will also preview the Astros game. Game three tonight against the Phillies right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: So, interesting statistic in terms of the University of Auburn firing coaches. When you look at Brian Harson now, Gus Malzahn, and, you know, really th- those two. In the last 687 days, Auburn has paid roughly $37 million in buyouts. James, you know what the statistics per the amount of money per day that is? It's about $55,000
2: per day. I had my calculator too. (laughs) $55,000
1: per day for the last 687 days, almost two years is the amount of money that Auburn has paid in buyouts. But people want to say that Auburn doesn't have a problem? The inmates run the asylum. Again, we've talked about this. Auburn has become notorious since the turn of the century for meddling into the football program, a.k.a. Jerry Jones in Dallas. You will never find success with the boosters having way too much say. Now, here's the thing. Boosters have say in a lot of programs. That's just the nature of the beast. They pay for the program to run. They have a say in it. However, Auburn's boosters take it a step way too far. And it, it, it's, it's a problem. And Auburn, you know, people can say, oh, well, you know, this coach can turn Auburn around, this coach can turn Auburn around, blah, blah, blah. Not unless the boosters back off. Same thing as the Cowboys. Cowboys can go 12-5 and in the regular season all they want. They're not going to win in the postseason as long as Jerry Jones is doing what he's doing. Just not. You've seen it time and time again over the last couple years. They have great post. They have great regular season success. They find the postseason, and they hit a brick wall. And I, I have no reason to believe that it won't happen again. But anyways, let's go to the McNeese Cowboys now, falling twenty eight to twenty seven to Southeastern after a missed PAT was ultimately the difference in that game. Gary Goff met with the media after the loss. And he had this to say on the game. Here's his opening statement.
4: Yeah, um, proud of the guys, really am. Um, uh, I stand by my word. I do think Southeastern's uh, the best team in the conference from top to bottom. Uh, extremely athletic. Quarterbacks are extremely talented. Uh, they're physical. They're fast. Uh, they, they got a great team. Uh, with that being said, extremely uh, proud of our guys. You know, fought for four quarters. Came up a couple plays short um it, every game comes down to a few plays and um you know we should be in overtime right now you know we we bobble a uh, PAT and uh that keeps us from scoring that, that 28th point right there um and, and you know had had a, a couple of plays that um you know Walker's trying to make a lot happen right there at the end of the game I can't really fault him for that pick there um you know heck of a play by the the DB uh the, the interception before that he was just trying to force a play down the middle um and you know, it's gotta gotta improve in that area. But honestly I thought Walker played a really good game, uh, especially for his first start. And um uh, extremely proud of, of um, everybody, really from top to bottom. I know we didn't get the result we wanted, but you know, defense, they're um I mean they're they're depleted in that secondary and for them guys to battle like that, uh gave up a few big plays, but um it's probably you know, expected.
1: He also talked about the play of his star running back who had another breakout performance in Deontay McMahon.
4: Uh, typical uh, i mean he, he played a great game he had two two catches out of the backfield uh one for a big big touchdown right there and then um you know he rushed for 97 yards and two other touchdowns so three touchdowns on the night um you know he's, he's pretty pretty steady he's our he's our he's our workhorse
1: now one in seven mcneese desperately needs a win over the next couple of games to try to you know finish this season off on on a on a positive note, and they will have the opportunity as they play Eastern Illinois this coming Saturday at Cowboy Stadium before taking on Houston Baptist and Lamar to end the season. Going to the Houston Astros now, will they play? Will they not? We don't really know. But what we do know is what's going to be or who's going to be in the starting lineup when they do decide to play. Starting lineup for the Houston Astros tonight is Jose Altuve batting first at second base. Jeremy Pena will bat second and play short. Jordan Alvarez will bat third in left field. Alex Bregman will bat fourth and play third. Kyle Tucker will bat 5th in right field. Yuli Gurriel will bat 6th at first base. A surprise at designated hitter. They're going to go to rookie David Hensley at designated hitter. Chaz McCormick will bat 8th and play in center field. And behind the plate is Martin Maldonado, and he'll bat ninth. Lance McCullers Jr. on the mound, and he will face Noah Sindergaard. James, the goal here over the next three games for the Astros is You really want to win two. You win two, you come back to Houston with a 3-2 lead, and you close it out game six in what's supposed to be Friday night. However, the Astros have always been pretty good when their backs are against the wall. So my question to you, to start a conversation here quickly before we take a timeout, is: the Astros only win
2: one out of three in Philly, are they done? Not in my eyes, because now you got six and seven in Houston. And let's be honest, I mean, if you if you would have taken out JV earlier in the in game one, you could very easily be two and zero oh right now. Or if Ryan Stanek doesn't loft a fastball
1: to JT Romuto in the tenth, you could be looking at a much different ball game. Also, but that one as well. Know, again, if, if some butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. Okay, Jake, that's my new catchphrase. I I love it. That Jake. was a good one, though. It was. It was a great one. Um. So yeah, I mean, you really want to win two. Obviously, if you can win all three and finish the series in five, I mean, bravo, good for you. But let's be real, Philly is a terrorizing place to play. Their fans are ruthless. They hate the Astros, and they're going to let well, everyone- a lot of fans hate the Astros. Well, that's very true. Um, they're gonna let them hear it. It's gonna happen. The weather is going to be a factor. The fans are going to create a home field advantage. The Astros are going to have to figure out a way to overcome that. Especially Jose Altuve.
2: I was going to say, they're going to give it to him. He's
1: going to hear some nasty words all week long. And he's going to have to find a way to overcome that. There's going to be trash cans being banged in center field, I'm sure. Or all over the stadium, for that matter. Uh, They're going to pull out all the stops. And you just got to find a way to win. You just got to find a way to win. Win two out of three, come home, raise the trophy in Houston. Plain and simple. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. Take a time out. Jacob Goins of ESPN Auburn joins us next for a conversation about what the hell is happening on the plates. Right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers
0: and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Welcome back, Crunch Time here on the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Met me guys James Mesh. 35 after the hour. Let's talk now with our guy, Jacob Goins of ESPN in Auburn. Jacob, first of all, how are you, man? Second, happy Halloween. And third, what the heck is going on in Auburn today?
5: Well, man, I'm doing good. Uh, We have some different things to talk about in Auburn, which is uh, exciting to say the least. And uh, we're, again, we're just, We're happy to have something else to talk about besides Auburn football being poor quality on the field. Uh, Happy holidays, happy Halloween to you guys as well, and what's going on down here in Auburn is just craziness right now. Um, Of course, everybody knows what is going on. Auburn, uh, it reported that Auburn hired a new AD this morning around 11 o'clock or so. Auburn has yet to release a statement about that, but... Uh, it seems to be that it's going to be John Cohen, the athletic director at Mississippi State. Uh, and then about an hour later, Brian Harson was fired from Auburn as the football coach. Uh, the press release did not have his name in it. They did not say they were firing Brian Harson, they didn't say that they uh, thanked him for anything. They just decided to make a change at leadership uh, of the football program. So. It's been a crazy day here, fellas. I'm not going to lie. It, it all hit about 11 o'clock around noon, and it's been full force ever since.
1: So let, let's dive into it. You know, obviously the bigger news is the fact that, that Brian Harson has been removed as the head coach of the Auburn football. You know, just give me your thoughts on that move. Do you think it's the right move? And more importantly, do you think it was the right time?
5: Well, I definitely think it was the right move. Um, everybody within the program, around the program, and around the SEC could tell that uh, this, was, this was a move that was coming eventually. Uh, there were people, and ourselves included, that thought this move could have been made after the Missouri game if he would have lost, which you can make the argument they very well should have. Uh, this was a move that we thought could have been made after the Georgia game, during the bye week. That didn't happen and then pretty much from then on, it's just been a waiting game of not if it was going to happen, but when it was going to happen. And so I do think it was the right decision. Uh, you asked me about the timing of it. I think it's good. Um, I mean, there's obviously there's never a great time to fire somebody, right? Somebody losing their job. And I'm not the biggest fan of firing somebody in the middle of a season. Uh, I've never been a fan of that. But I think with – Everything that's going on and with the program of Auburn right now, Auburn football, just moving backwards. I mean, it is not going in any way, shape, or form in the right direction. And with the reports coming out late last week that players were wanting to redshirt and save some of their eligibility and Brian Harson was telling them uh, pretty much play or get out, I think that may have been uh, what set everything off. And with them losing to Arkansas at home on Saturday – uh, I think Auburn just decided, okay, it's it's about time. And now that the athletic director is coming into the building, uh, I think that's why you saw the move made today.
1: Well, you see, that was that was kind of my thing. You talked about coaches being fired, you know, mid-season. With at this point, eight games in with four games to go, and, and the schedule that Auburn has the rest of the way, the the chances of salvaging this season were a little low, in, in my opinion. So my thought process was you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you just let them finish out the year?
5: Yeah. And I think you can make that argument, but again, nothing was going right. I mean, the problem is since the Penn state game, which was the biggest recruiting weekend uh, that I can remember in a long time for Auburn football. And of course, Auburn uh, looks horrible in that game against Penn state ever since then it's been downhill. And uh, Auburn again uh, you can look at the Missouri game where Auburn should have lost that game they come out with a win because Missouri fumbles the game nevertheless the football right and nothing has gone right for Brian Harson, nothing has gone right for Auburn and I think if you leave him in there for these last four games you're just hurting yourself you're hurting your players and I think at this point when you make the move like they did today We've already seen players enter the transfer portal and some big names like Landon King, uh, who's a big wide receiver for Auburn that got one catch for 24 yards. You can make the argument that he is one of the best receivers on the team and he just wasn't being used. That gives you a chance to go after those guys and say, look, he's not here anymore. We're bringing in somebody, whoever that may be, come back and give Auburn another chance, right? So I think that's why you saw Auburn make that move is to go and save the guys that are thinking about leaving, but you can also start a coaching search now too. And you can start making those phone calls. And I think the day after the Iron Bowl on that Sunday, no matter what the result is, that's kind of a move point at this at this time, whatever that result is or however the end of this season goes, I think on that Sunday after the Iron Bowl you will see Auburn make a coaching announcement, whoever that may be, but when you fire Brian Harson on today, the last day of October They give you an entire month to make phone calls, make a pitch, and go after your guy.
1: Now, looking at the situation, obviously, you know there's an interim head coach, and his name is is Carnell Williams. And you know, you look at it and you go, Carnell Williams. I don't know that I've ever heard that name. And then somebody calls him Cadillac Williams, and you go, Oh (laughs) yeah, that guy. I remember him, the All American at Auburn, the NFL running back. So he's now your interim coach for the rest of the year. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on that move? What do you think he can bring to the team over the next four weeks?
5: Well, it's interesting because on our show today on the line on ESPN one oh six seven here in Auburn, we had a couple callers ask us that same question and they were and they were asking before that announcement was made, uh, it it became official uh, about twenty minutes before we went off the air today. And we had people asking us, well, who's going to be the interim? And our our two answers were either Zach Etheridge or Cadillac Williams. And we said Zach Etheridge. It obviously ends up being Cadillac Williams. But I love it. I mean, you're going to go with a guy that is the definition of Auburn football. You're going to go with a guy that's had success uh, at Auburn, in the pros, and he's a good coach uh, for the team. And you go with a guy that is not going to be fired because we saw four or five guys later on today – get fired that Brian Harson brought with him at Boise. So you're obviously, they weren't going to promote one of those guys uh, because they were on their way out as well. So I think bringing Cadillac up to the interim head coach spot, you get somebody that not just the players can really just you know, revolve around and really rally around, but the fan base can too. And we've seen that already on Twitter, through the phone calls at the end of our show. Uh, the fans are excited about Cadillac because of who he is what he does, and it's just somebody different, man. And I think I think it's going to be good. Obviously, nobody's expecting him to to win out or beat Alabama, but maybe just change a few things and give people a reason to actually be excited about the end of this season. Because guys, I'll tell you, yesterday after after the Auburn Arkansas game, and really the last month, people have cl- they've checked out. They don't care. They're ready to move on. And now that Harson Brian Harson, excuse me, has been. Let go, and Cadillac is the new interim head coach. People have a little bit of excitement about the end of this year.
1: Chatting with Jacob Goins, host of On the Line on ESPN in Auburn. Talk about John Cohen. You know, more than likely going to be named the AD at Auburn. You've seen what he can do at Ole Miss, especially you know creating a a, a great—not creating a great baseball program, but you know national championship baseball program, a solid football program as well. What can he bring to the Plains?
5: Well, it's interesting because I don't know a ton about him besides his resume. And I don't think a lot of people in Auburn really do. And what's interesting is this was not a name that's been floating around over the months plus that this athletic director search has been going, right? It was the names were John Hartwell from Utah State and Nunez from New Mexico. Those were kind of the two names that have been floating around for quite a while. And President Roberts over at Auburn University has. You could say drug his feet. Some would say that he was uh, doing a precise process and was doing it his way and doing a thorough search to make sure he found the right guy. You can word it however you want to, but Cohen's about to be named the athletic director at Auburn, and you look at his resume uh, at Mississippi State, he's got a national championship baseball team, a national championship women's basketball team. He's known for building good facilities, raising money to do that, Uh, NIL is a big part of his uh, scheme as well so those are things that Auburn loves I mean Auburn's about to open up a brand new uh, football facility in a few months and NIL is really charging up here on the plains as well so I think Cohen can come in and just continue to do that and it seems it sounds like Auburn went and they're going to pay him right they're going to pay him a decent amount and they believe that he is the guy and and this is a name that came up three days ago so You can question the process. We'll see how it goes. Um, Hopefully he can come in and just kind of continue to do what he did at Mississippi State, but with just better resources and more money here at Auburn. All right.
1: Well, here's the end all be all question, Jacob. Who's going to be walking the sidelines at Jordan Hare stadium next September.
5: (laughs) Oh man. You put me on the spot. There's, there's been multiple, multiple names that have been flying around and you can name about 20 on a list of of guys that have been rumored, right? I mean, there's just so many different names that are flying around. Uh, I think the, the two or three that you could really, if you were a betting man, you could put your money on. I think Lane Kiffin's up there. I think Hugh Freeze is up there and I do think Deion Sanders is up there too. I think he will at least uh, get a phone call and see if he's interested And, um, I think Auburn's going to go after Lane Kiffin now, whether they get him or not, or whether Lane Kiffin says yes or not, that's another story. But, um, look, man, there's, there's so many names you could go through. And to be honest with you guys, there's a couple of names that are not those three, that I would love Auburn to go after Mark Stoops, uh, Luke fickle. Uh, I think if Bill Clark from UAB ever got back into coaching, I think he would be a great way to go. Uh, we've seen Jeff Grimes from Baylor, the offensive coordinator, who used to be at Auburn, uh, Dave Aranda, who's been at Baylor, uh, Matt Rule, of course, in his time in college and, of course, at the Carolina Panthers and the pros. There's some big names floating around, and so we'll see if Auburn decides to, to make a home run splash higher with a name or maybe go after somebody not as big name-wise but maybe has a better coaching resume. We'll see, but uh, don't, don't expect this to be a, um, a quiet search. This one's going to be entertaining for sure.
2: What
1: what about a sleeper and maybe like a Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina?
5: I think you could see that. I've heard that name. I have. I've heard that name. And, and that's one of those, again, it's not it's not the Deion Sanders or the Lane Kiffin, but that could be a guy where you bring him in and he could sneakily be really, really good. Right? right? He could be a good recruiter and a good coach and a big-time program. So uh, I've been talking about it. Auburn doesn't necessarily have to go and make that just big splash name hire I'm not against it, but you don't absolutely have to. And I don't want Auburn to do that just to say they did and win the press conference. I want Auburn, look, Auburn's paying way too much money for guys not to coach here anymore. $55,000 a day. What's that?
1: $55,000 a day. On average is what you're paying guys to not coach there anymore.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Paying guys to not coach here, guys. I mean, that's, it's, just, it's ridiculous to me and it just blows my mind that Auburn now this is twice now that they're doing that and they were still paying Gene Chiswick there for a while too so it's time for Auburn to go and find that dude because you look around the SEC right now there's a lot of programs that have their guy right they have their long-term guy or they have a guy who they think is going to be their long-term guy so it's time for Auburn to find him and pay a coach to actually coach here not to walk out the door.
1: Lastly, if you were the athletic director, who's your first phone call?
5: I think Lane Kiffin's the first call. I think you go to Lane Kiffin, and I think you offer him $10 million for 10 years. You offer him a $100 million contract, and you make Lane Kiffin tell you no. I think, is, I think that's got to be where you go. Um, it, would, it would check all the boxes. right? It would be the home run splash hire with the name. He's a good coach. He's a good recruiter. Does he tell you yes or no? You got to find out, but I think that's what Auburn will do. And if you want somebody like Lane Kiffin, who knows Auburn's going to be calling, you got to offer him a hundred million dollar contract.
1: Jacob Goins of ESPN Auburn, bringing it all to us. Jacob, really appreciate your insight, man. And uh, we'll talk soon.
5: Yeah, man, appreciate it. You guys have a good one.
1: And there he goes, Jacob Goins of ESPN and. In- Auburn, if you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever, then text the word PANTHER to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda Forever at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on Thursday, November the 10th. Once again, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever brought to you by The Game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Take a timeout. Wrap up today's show. After this, you're listening to the game on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now, now back, back to more, more crunch time, crunch time, time. with Miekas and Mesh here, here on the, the game. game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. It was cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for tonight's game. I'll take the under on Joe Burrow's passing yards and Nick Chubb anytime touchdown, but taking the Bengals money line. Same-game parlay is just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to register, easy to deposit, easy to find your bet, but it's also easy to place your bet faster in a game if you see a trend that you like. There's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $150 in free bets, win or lose with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable. Free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 877 770 STOP. Breaking news out of Philadelphia The Astros and Phillies
1: will not play tonight. Game three of the World Series has been officially postponed until tomorrow. Game three will be tomorrow. Game four will be Wednesday. Game five will be Thursday, a travel day on Friday, and then Game six and seven Saturday and Sunday in Houston if they are necessary. We talked to Darren, with Jacob Gones in the last segment about how the John Cohen news had not become official. Um, right as we hit the commercial break, it went official. John Cohen is the new AD at Auburn University. Uh, so, massive move there for the Tigers, and his first task will be to hire a new head football coach. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guests, Wilson Alexander and Jacob Goins. Tomorrow, we've got a three—that's right, a three-guest show for you. At 4.30, Luke Johnson will join us to talk all things New Orleans Saints. At 5 o'clock, we will have a very special guest from the University of Louisiana and then at 5.30, we will be joined by the boys of Apollo HOU for To the Moon. We'll preview Game 3 of the World Series for James Mesh and the awesome intern extraordinaire, Daryl. Matt Miguez, be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. And we will talk to you tomorrow, same time, same station. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles,
5: Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.